Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. (laughs) I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica, so... If that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? I am. All right. Let's rock and roll. All right. All right, everybody. This is In Liberty and Health. I'm with the almighty and the great Jason Cleats. You see him everywhere. Um, he's a freaking animal. He's consistent and he's putting the work in just like um, all good people should be doing. Um, I guess before we start uh, rock and rolling here, Jason, how are you, dude? I'm getting better. How about yourself? Oh, I'm absolutely fantastic, and I'm looking forward to our conversation today. So uh, I guess let's start off, um, just give a brief introduction of who you are and uh, where you're from and kind of what's going on with you right now. Sure. Um, so for me, I'm Jason. I'm, I'm up in the Twin Cities. Uh, on April 13th of this year, I posted my day one going back to the gym photo, and it went viral. And... <laughs> I think I'm over 130,000 likes on this thing at this point, like almost 4,000 shares, 4,000 comments. It was just crazy the amount of attention that this one photo had had received. And from there, my uh, my following went from like 1,000 up to like 4,000 overnight. And then the next night it was up to 8,000. And I'm just like, wow. So I, I'm of course, I've been posting consistently and consistently in the gym up until... Uh, about 10 days ago when I wound up in the hospital. So um, uh, as the process went on, I grew to about 11,000 followers by the end of the first month uh, that I was um, in the gym. And I've been posting my whole story on Twitter. Uh, I've been using it a lot as an online journal, but also as an opportunity for other people to see what an average guy goes through in a day and what it takes for somebody like me to get myself from the shape I was into the shape I want to be in. Yeah. Well, that's absolutely awesome. And it always excites me to see people being brave enough to kind of put themselves out there and talk about their story. Cause honestly, for me, it took me quite a while. I used to be a little bit heavier set um, when I was in high school. And then even up until about like three or four years ago, and I'd lost 70 pounds, um, within the last couple of years. Um, I don't want to hammer on that journey too much, but, um, I've had kind of body issues and it's not something that like we as dudes really talk about a lot, but I mean, I was called fat. I was bullied all the time when I was a kid. So, I mean, I had a lot of body and image issues and it was honestly difficult for me to come forward and show my body and talk about my transformation because I felt like I'd be shamed for it. Now I'm a lot more like, I just don't care anymore because I know I've put in a lot of hard work to get to where I am today. I mean, I've been resistance training for 10 years, so now I don't care, but, um, for you to go out there and say, hey, look, I'm imperfect, but I'm just I'm just showing up. That's huge. And then to see an outpouring of support, 
it, it makes me very, very happy to hear um, that people have such a positive reaction to seeing somebody just saying, hey, I'm going to put my, you know, one foot in front of the other, and I'm going to make myself a little bit better than I was yesterday. That's the goal every day is just to, to end the day a little bit better. I mean, uh, there's only so much we can do each day, and there's so much we can control within our day. And part of Accountability Nation is figuring out those better habits to build as far as, you know, just making sure that the little things are done, uh, dishes are done before you go to bed, uh, your bed's made right away in the morning, your laundry's put away, your areas are, are kept relatively um, tidy, things like that, uh, things to, to slow down the anxiety of looking at messes going, well, I got to take care of this too. And it's like, I still have to go to the gym. I still have this. I need to make sure that I'm spending extra time in the kitchen making food as opposed to stopping to get food. So it's, it's the balance that it takes um, to live a healthier lifestyle as well. Yeah. And I'm glad that you kind of broke it down into uh, this is, you know, cleaning your room. This is doing the dishes before you go to bed and kind of just like these small things that seem relatively insignificant, but really they compound, right? When you have a whole ton of papers sitting on your kitchen counter or your cupboards are in a mess or your clothes aren't folded or you're just not ready for the next day. Um, like I said, these things compound and this will eventually get to be bigger and bigger things where maybe you're not taking care of a problem in your personal relationship. Maybe you're not treat you know, your relationship with food is a little bit off. Maybe your um, relationship with going to bed and kind of having a sleep routine is out of, you know, out of whack. Um, it really does sometimes start with just the small things first, kind of picking away to get to the greater picture because, um, you know, as, as the saying, and it's almost cliche, um, the journey of a thousand miles truly does begin with just one step. So just taking that one step, just cleaning the dishes before you go to bed is just hugely important. And I really, really do implore people, especially, um, when I start trying to give people advice about how to lose weight, just start walking. Right. And people really think that that's like, what do you mean just walk? Like, shouldn't I go running? Shouldn't I go work out six days a week? Just walk, right? Because we can all do that. If you just can walk maybe two to three times a day, you're already going to be leaps and bounds ahead than you would actually if you were to dive on this crazy diet and resistance training plan, right? Because people who like go into these insane plans, they can't sustain them. You can sustain walking every day. So I just like that you kind of make it a very, very edible step for everybody well it's it's important to understand that uh when you're working on on a better healthy lifestyle it, it doesn't just happen in the kitchen and it doesn't just mm -hmm. happen in the gym yeah your mental health is a huge portion of of your success and the easiest way to help your mental health uh, like for me, the easiest way to help help my mental health is I, I do meditate, uh, making sure that the basics are handled uh, to keep my anxiety down. It, it's a major uh, it's a major boost going into the next day, waking up knowing that I don't have a pile of dishes sitting there that I've got to wash eventually, or I don't have a pile of clothes sitting in the basket that need to be put away because I've already put them away, and it frees up that extra time. I'm like, well. I don't, I don't have to worry about these things. That's an extra half hour of time that I would have had to take uh, that would have taken away from my sleep because I need to make sure I'm at the gym for this amount of time or that amount of time. So it's just building those good solid habits that actually help in transitioning in other phases of your life. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that you kind of mentioned and phrased it as almost like budgeting your time. So people look at me kind of crazy when I say I'm up at like four to four thirty every single morning. But the reason why I have to do this is so that way I can prepare my food every single day, right? Um, if you look at my phone, I use a uh, diet coach app called Carbon Diet Coach, and I literally lay out sometimes two three days ahead um, what I'm going to eat for the next day. So that way, you know, like tonight, literally just before we hopped on here, I was starting to lay out some of my food and make um, something for my French toast tomorrow morning, and also prepare my uh, post-workout meal um, for tomorrow night. I get all this stuff prepared so that way I don't have to, as soon as I get home, worry about just getting all this stuff set up, right? I can wake up in the morning and I can grab what I need to grab, hurry up, cook it, and then take my dogs for a walk and do what I have to do. 
But part of that is waking up a little bit earlier, getting to bed a little bit earlier, just to make sure that my time is budgeted appropriately so I can handle all the responsibilities that I have. And I find that when I'm consistent in doing that, I feel the best and I notice the most progress. When I start to let things slip, I notice that progress starts to slip away too. It's almost like a linear thing for me at least. And I think um, I posted a little bit of a clickbait video a couple of weeks ago, but I said, do this one thing for results. And that one thing is just be consistent. And that's exactly it. I've noticed that as well. Uh, when I was just starting the new job and I was working 60 hours a week and still trying to fit in going to the gym and uh, the other things, some of those things did fall to the wayside. And it was, it's about having to rebuild the routine with a new set of factors. And now with the situation being what it is, I have plenty of time um, to work on getting my routine back in order um, because I'm unemployed. So I mean, between recovery and um, getting my routine back in order, uh, I've got plenty of time. Mm -hmm. So it'll be rebuilding with the idea that I will be working again soon. Right. And there's, like I said, you know, like we've kind of been hitting on for most of the show already, it's just kind of one foot in front of the other and just trying to have some kind of routine and having the discipline to go about that routine, because that's ultimately going to form your healthy lifestyle and going to also give you the additional freedom to do the things you want to do. Um, one person I used to listen to a lot was Jocko Willink, and he always said discipline equals freedom. And that's absolutely true. And I know that even nutritionally, where some people may look at me like I'm crazy when I'm eating like a piece of cheesecake or something, but it's like, <laughs> you don't understand. I ate almost nothing for most of the day, but you know, that was so that way when my fiance and I sit down to enjoy a nice dinner, we can I can have a little bit more food then because you know your health is kind of a budget, right? You need to resistance strain, you need to eat properly Absolutely. so that way you can get paid dividends down the road with your overall health. And that's exactly it, because there are times that with my girlfriend, we'll go out and have a meal at um like a breakfast place, or we'll go and, and do a raising canes or something. And I at least do that once a week. Um so that way I haven't completely cut out all the bad foods because if I do that, I know what'll happen. So it's like the lesser of the two evils is, is to keep it in the diet at least mm -hmm. just once a week. So that way I'm still, uh, I'm still budgeting as far as my calorie counts and, and I'm still sitting in my intermittent fasting windows when I do things like that. Mm -hmm. So that way my body still has time to recover. Yeah, well, and one thing that I actually like that you mentioned there, and some people may think this is counterintuitive, but um, so I did carnivore for two and a half years. And what I actually came to find is that it wasn't sustainable for me. And the way that this broke out for me was actually with binge eating. And I've talked a lot about it on the podcast. And it wasn't like necessarily a disorder, but, um, you know, I'd be very, very strict carnivore for, excuse me, for like a week or two. And then I would just binge on ice cream and junk food all throughout the day. But what I came to realize now that I eat more carbohydrates and sometimes budget in a little bit more of the hyper palatable food is that I'm, I just wasn't eating enough, right? So right now I eat about almost 3000 calories a day just to maintain my weight and maintain my life right now, because I just finished losing about 10 pounds. Um, after doing like a little bulk, um, I figured out that if I'm eating enough throughout the week, then I don't have those cravings to go out and pound a whole ton of ice cream and cheesecake. And it was really my relationship with food that was kind of off, right? Because I told myself, these are bad foods. You can't have them. So what happens as soon as I have them? Well, you know, I broke the rule already. So why not break the rule some more? Um, yeah. Creating a more healthy relationship with food and understanding like, hey, you need to adjust for your highest quality of life, right? Your highest quality of life isn't always going to be eating 1,800 calories of chicken and rice and broccoli all day, every day, right? Sometimes it's going right. to be a cocktail with your girlfriend. Sometimes it's going to be, you know, a nice dessert somewhere on the beach with uh, your wife or whatever. Sometimes it's having a piece of cake with, you know, your nephew or something like that. That is way more important than sticking to your macros every single day, all the time. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't ever do that, but sometimes just saying, Hey, you know what? I'm just going to let go a little bit, right? I'm going to enjoy this one meal because really the truth is you're one meal off the plan and you're one meal back on. And that's exactly it. It's like, I, I have a, a long history when it comes to food addiction. So 
I've been working on that phase as well. Uh, I mean, it goes all the way back to my single digits. And if, so we're looking at 30 plus years of, of a food addiction mm -hmm. that I'm still trying to, to tackle. So mixing in um, some things to, to still keep that at bay as well is incredibly important. Otherwise, I know that if I cut everything out completely, that it would be only a matter of a few more months. And I would, I would wind up um, probably going on a binge for a week and putting 10 pounds back on easy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And see, it's nice to kind of hear you talk about that openly, because I think that is something that's very important that people need to hear is that your relationship with food is actually very, very important because it is something that you should enjoy. And it shouldn't be something so black and white where you say all these foods are bad. Right. Um, and what people actually don't understand is that, um, eating disorders actually have the highest mortality out of any mental illness out there. As in one in five people with an eating disorder will die strictly because of that eating disorder. And I didn't learn that until a couple of weeks ago. So um, what I kind of alluded to earlier was that I was kind of down that path when I was on the carnivore diet because I made these black and white rules and they ultimately led to an unhealthy relationship with eating. Well, now, you know, a year later, I'm in a much better place. I'm much healthier, much happier, and I can enjoy things a lot more because I kind of fixed this relationship. So I'm glad that you're kind of working on it as well. And I think it's something that people don't talk about enough because part of losing weight is some, you know, some restriction, but at the same time, you can't restrict yourself to the point where it's not sustainable, right? We all have to do something that's going to be sustainable that we could do for the rest of our lives to maintain a health or, you know, a life full of health. And, and that's exactly it. And if you know that you want to have a cocktail once in a while, or if you know that you still enjoy a good cheeseburger or a pizza from time to time, it's like, you can't, you can't end that particular relationship uh, with food. Otherwise, it's going to come back to haunt you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it really, really does. And like I said, I was completely guilty of that. And I'm kind of glad to be um, past that part in my life. And it seems like you're kind of working your way on there as well, if not completely past that. And that's something very, very good and something that you should be very, very proud of. And like I said, it's awesome to see that you post your journey and you've been very, very open with, hey, you know, I'm just showing up every day. And I see um, Drew from uh, the Clean Libertarian podcast. He does the same stuff. And um, same with uh, Q, uh, Quincy, who drives a truck. Um I just love seeing people that are just open about their journey to improve their lives. It's so encouraging and it keeps me going just as much as, um, you know, I'm sure other people see it and just think, you know, rock on, man. Let's just, let's keep it going. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's become such a big part of my life mm -hmm. uh, on a level that I never thought it would. It's nice to be holding myself accountable, but I also have 11,000 people out there now watching what I'm doing and polling for me and and that's a pretty big deal to to know that there's this many people watching and i had a weekend where i just shut down for a weekend and i had a bunch of people reaching out to me asking me if i was okay what was going on and it was incredible i mean they were checking up on me to make sure that i was good because they were holding me accountable and it's like yeah mm -hmm. i'm good i just needed a couple of days to to reset and it, it's it's going to continue to keep going this way uh, till I cross that finish line. And I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, so, so I guess kind of tapping on there. Sorry. It's a, all right, am I good? Sorry, I didn't, it said I cut out. Okay, cool. Um, so you mentioned um, people holding you accountable. So where did um, you kind of get this idea for Accountability Nation? I was listening to you on uh, James Gentleman's podcast, uh, Blackbird. That was a really, really cool show. And uh, I, I'm kind of glad you guys gave me a shout out. It's kind of the uh, genesis for you know us doing this show right now. Um, what was your inspiration and what did you kind of have in mind when you started Accountability Nation? Was that kind of your Twitter handle back before you gained all the followers or was this kind of like something after? It's actually something I've been holding on to for over a year. I didn't really know what I was going to do with it. Um, back in early April, we had our state convention here for the Libertarian Party and I met a lot of really good people and uh, one of the people I met 
uh, Patrick McFarland. Uh, I love and, Pat. Yeah, he's such a great dude. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, check out my logo. I'm like, oh, who designed that? And he's like, oh, my buddy Mises Pieces. So shout out to Mises Pieces, who actually did create my logo. Because mm-hmm. uh, originally it was going to be just another libertarian podcast uh, saturating the already saturated libertarian podcast space. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had my logo done. And I had everything set up on Twitter. And then I post my day one photo and it's like well I I guess what I'm doing with it now more so than ever is I'm still slipping libertarian values into what I do uh I'm just not making it the focus right um and more of the focus is my roadmap um that I'm setting out for myself Mm -hmm. right yeah that dude that's uh absolutely awesome and I'm glad that uh like I said, you're kind of putting it out there to hold yourself accountable and also to kind of make, it's almost like a network, right? Because you have these people hold, you know, looking up to you and then I'm sure other people kind of network and kind of find different people to hold themselves accountable and you know, stuff like that. So um, what's kind of the plan for the future then? You know, where do you see this going for you? So the plan is I'm once I'm cleared to restart working out, uh, I'll get back to that. And as my workouts keep going on, I do have a few companies that are peeking in watching. Um, there is a potential book deal floating about. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, I've already been laying some of the groundwork uh, on the book itself. Uh, I also would love to go into the motivational speaking aspect of, of this deal and, and potentially do... Uh, a couple of books in in that avenue as well. Uh, those are really my ultimate goals for Accountability Nation. Plus, I am looking at um, doing a merch line. I, I've held it off a little bit, uh, just simply with everything going on in life. Uh, but that is also a goal: is to to turn Accountability Nation into its own brand. Yeah, well, I really, really like the design, the logo, and the whole uh, idea behind it. Um, so, what the hell? Oh, I, I completely lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, when it comes to a uh, the book deal and stuff like that, and you writing a book, uh, what's kind of your mindset going into it? And I guess we can also expand that to when you go into the gym. What's your mindset kind of like? When I when I hit the gym, for me, it's like. It's like metal therapy. Um, getting in and lifting is literally my, it's my chance to clear my mind mm-hmm. and just get myself on the back on, on track in a sense. Cause you know, the day gets, gets to you sometimes and it can really disturb your energy and working out, um, especially just having your headphones in and just having the music going and everything and just getting your work in, um, for the day it, it's huge and it really by the time you're leaving the gym you're a little tired uh but i always leave with a smile and i mm-hmm. never leave the gym disappointed in myself nice nice yeah um i definitely feel the same way um today was my leg day and i used to hate training legs but now working out six days a week um 10 years in every single time i go in i'm always excited to just kind of, you know, rough myself up a little bit and I feel great going out and I'm always happy. And I've heard people say it and it definitely rings true, at least for me. Um, you never say, I really regret that workout, right? But you'll say, hey, I regret, I regret missing one. And I've definitely said that before plenty of times. Oh yeah. There's a big difference between going to the gym and not going. And leaving the gym disappointed for me though uh it's something that i say a lot uh because i always want to leave it all on the floor when i'm there Mm -hmm. i want to put my best effort in while i'm there i'm just like hey i made it maybe i didn't want to be there and some of those workouts actually turn out to be my best workouts because it's like i'm i'm not happy exactly to be there but i'm like i'm here Let's put in the work and then there's just something in your head that clicks and then you just like go into this next mode 
and you just crush your workout and then you leave extremely happy on if I wouldn't have came today, I wouldn't have had this great workout. All right, guys. Um, I'm absolutely thrilled with the uh, show's new sponsor. Um, I am now sponsored and uh, have an affiliate through LMNT Electrolytes. Um, I have used these electrolytes for years. Um, back when I used to do a lot of fasting, in fact, I used to drink Sometimes I want to say up to seven a day, seven little packets. So um, the packets are full of all the electrolytes that you need to perform and hydrate yourself properly. Um, you need sodium for pretty much every single function in your body, despite what um, a lot of people may tell you. Um, sodium doesn't actually cause a lot of the issues that uh, people kind of would have you believe. So um, just real quick to give you a little bit of facts. Um, you don't need sugar to hydrate. Electrolytes and water don't require glucose to pass through the gut. The average American consumes over 60 pounds of sugar a year. And um, when it comes to athletic performance, um, you can actually lose up to seven grams per day in hot climate. So um, make sure you click on the affiliate link below to get all your hydration needs. And like I said, I'm super stoked to have these guys um, teamed up with the podcast and uh, just make sure you get your uh, electrolytes through Element. All right, guys, thanks. Yeah, um, it's kind of funny because I had one of those workouts, I want to say Friday, where um, my back's a little jacked up right now. Um, I don't know what exactly I did. I think it might be just from me being a dumbass when I'm deadlifting. But uh, last Monday, I set a new personal record, um, 405 pounds on a trap bar deadlift for 12 reps. I've never done that many. And I wasn't, I really wasn't feeling it, but I kind of went in and I'm like, you know what, let's, let's rock and roll. So I hit it and I, I couldn't believe it. And then, uh, you know, uh, the following Friday, I was going in for squats and I remember I walked out with 300 or 315 on the or on the bar and I went to go squat and I'm like, I don't know. And I put it back and then I'm like, now we got to do this. So I banged out five reps and that was another personal record for me. So I hit two records in the last week and uh, yeah, thank you. But like I kind of like you said, some days you don't really feel up to the task, but you know, both those days wasn't really feeling up to it. Back feels a little wonky, but guess what? Went in and just hammered it out and I came out and I felt like completely stoked because I'm like, well, I've never did any of this before and it's a new personal best for me. It, let's keep this going. I, I, I want to keep coming back. So this entire week, I've been just excited to go back in. Yeah, that's exactly, especially after you hit a personal best. Mm -hmm. I, I had did that uh, about three weeks ago on, on my leg press and um, my calf raises. I was like at 250 mm -hmm. and I've been pretty conservative on legs considering that with the amount of weight I carry anyways, um, and getting in and out of a truck, I'm like, I got to keep my legs somewhat fresh. So I started jacking the weight up and I hit personal bests at 250 in those spots. Mm -hmm. And then I, I hit a few other personal bests. Like all my lifts finally are, except for a few overheads are over a hundred pounds. And for me, that's, uh, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, cause I've, a lot of my lifts have never been over a hundred pounds. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. And there's nothing like finally just getting the weight up after you've really been working at it. Because um, I remember attempting a 500 pound deadlift so many times, just failing and failing and failing and failing. And then finally, uh, I remember the day that I went for it. And I remember, I have a video of it. I was getting it up and I mean, 500 pounds of a lot of weight <laughs> and I'm pulling it. And then I finally got up to walk out and set it down. And I'm like, this is it. So yeah, there, there's, there's just a, a feeling that goes with it. And if for anybody listening, if you're not exercising now, there is no feeling like just having some old school Sepultura or Pantera or your, before, your preferred flavor of metal on and then you just going in and crushing it. There's nothing like it. That is absolutely the truth. I mean, mm -hmm. I mix in so many different genres. Like I'll throw some Akira the Dawn in. I've got some motivational uh, speeches that go in there. And, you know, for me, it's really weird to say this, but the song that I typically start working out to is Fear by Blue October. I mean, that song really encompasses a lot about uh, just what's happened in my life. I mean, you hear some of those lyrics and it's like, man, I can relate to a lot of this stuff. What happened It's like where I was to where I am. So that one seems to be 
like my motivational song I'll play on the way to the gym now, as opposed to my absolute first workout song. Yeah, I used to uh, listen to David Goggins or uh, C.T. Fletcher on my way to the gym, and that's like a, a recipe to get yourself hurt just because you're you're like ready to run through a brick wall at that point. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I guess kind of lay out if you don't mind, kind of your I don't want to say your life story, but kind of some of the struggles and what you overcame because you laid this out really, really nicely on a uh, James podcast. And I really liked your story because it, to me, when I hear stories like this, it's a story of a champion, right? It's a story of somebody who, you know, got their teeth kicked in metaphorically for years and years and years. And they just, no matter what, kept coming back for more and kept coming back for more and then just kept you know, building themselves better every single time. So I see that a lot with you. And when you told your story, I kind of heard that in your story. So I guess if you don't mind, um, you can elaborate on a little bit of that if you're good with that. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, going all the way back into my early life, uh, my mom and dad divorced and my mom's second husband, um, he was a good guy for the first few years and then he, he suffered a work injury and he stopped taking his medication and he became very abusive. So I lived for a number of years uh, with my mom's second husband. I mean, this is the guy I called dad and he was very mentally abusive towards me and uh, I was the youngest of five kids. So I just kind of hid out in the sidelines. Nobody really paid attention to me. So I just kept eating and that was just my way of hiding out. And then I, uh, I move out of that situation up to the twin cities where I am currently to live with my dad and my dad's, um, wife was also very mentally abusive. So I go through a couple of years of living with that torment for going from one abusive step parent to another abusive step parent. And, um, from there, I get into a bad marriage. And I was in my marriage with my ex. I was with her basically from the end of high school all the way up till 2017 when I finally just walked out. I had had enough. And a lot happened throughout those uh, years that I was with her. Like back in 2011, I, I had a stroke um, basically brought on by some blood clotting issues. I collapsed on my kitchen floor and I had died. I was resuscitated by paramedics. And I was effectively gone. And to say that I'm happy now, I've got the second chance I can. Uh, back then, I, I didn't say the same thing. I'm like, I was out. I mean, it was finally, it was like freeing in a sense uh, to no longer be here. And it's like they brought me back and I was mad for a number of, of months about it. And then I finally started doing something about it. And I finally started getting myself and a little bit better health. I mean, back in 2011, I was over 500 pounds. I mean, a bad marriage, all I did was just sit around and eat. I didn't really do much. And I was slowly killing myself. And I was going to be that statistic. And I was that statistic for about seven minutes. And that was a long recovery to come back and then to make it all the way uh, to 2019. I was really starting to put a real effort in and then we get into 2020 and of course uh, I was at my lowest weight at 370 um, that I had been in this century and they shut the gyms down and of course for about two years I wasn't mentally ready for it I was working out and I was doing all the things there and I had a pretty good diet uh, but I wasn't ready to lose that gym and that sent me spiraling out of control and it took me all the way till April 13th 2022 uh, to get back into the gym and start rebuilding all that so I mean these are some of the things that, that I've dealt with along the way mm -hmm. Jeez. yeah dude it's a like I said it's a warrior's tale and it's good to see that you still have a good attitude about it and you're willing to talk about it and say look this is what I had to go through, but no matter what, I keep coming back. And I think that's what is going to get you to success. And it may not be a linear journey. Well, you know better than me, it's not going to be a linear journey. <laughs> you know, it's it's a long walk, 
but it's the cross you have to carry and you're going to succeed in your journey as long as you're consistent and then maintain good behaviors. And it seems like your mind's in the right place. And I think a lot of people could really take a note of that. So kind of tapping on there, um, in 2020, where were you at in March of 2020 when, um, you know, the whole world kind of turned on its head? So that was the thing is I was in the gym six days a week. I had a solid routine built. Uh, my diet was about 80% in line. And I was, I was making big strides. I was improving every day. And mm -hmm. I had the mentality um, while the gym was there to keep pushing forward. And then all of a sudden it's like, what do I do now? And for the first couple of weeks, I was just out walking. Um, so I was at least able to do that. I would still get some walks in and then I wound up catching COVID. So I was out of, of work for about three weeks. I was hospitalized for a few days with that. And um, we get into July of 2020. I was still a uh, bus driving back then. And somebody threw a firework in my open window, uh, my driver's window. And when it exploded, it gave me a concussion. And it also jacked up my inner ear. And I was effectively down from July 4th uh, to October 5th when I was finally cleared. Um, I, I, was, I had concussion-like symptoms that whole way through. It screwed up my vision. My ears still messed up to this day. Uh, so it's like I had things happen in that time mm -hmm. that just kept pushing me further back mentally. And it was like... It finally got to a point, though, uh, where I looked at this picture of me standing next to Dave Smith from our convention, and I'm just like, I got to change this. I was in a good place. I was doing the right things. I was dropping weight, and I was going to succeed, and then I let it all go, and it was like, it was that was the moment. Yeah, well, you phrase it like you did let it all go, but I don't think you did because here you are, and you know, you gain the following and people are paying attention and you're working your ass off. Um, I, I think you still got all the fight in the world in you. And I'm, I believe you believe that as well. So um, when they shut down the gyms, this is what I think a lot of people didn't think about. Um, the tertiary effects, if you will, of lockdowns is that people like you who kind of needed um you know, that kind of inspiration or that mental place, right? Because when you go to the gym, there's an attitude, right? You have a mindset, kind of like we were talking about earlier, when you go into the gym to train and to just get shit done, right? You're not who you were at work as who you are when you're at the gym, right? Um, and there's something like that for everybody. So when you effectively tell people they have to be locked in their homes and isolated from people, isolated from the world, and you can't, go and do what kind of helps you blow off steam or get better um you, you can't underestimate how bad that is for people oh you're absolutely right and, and it's this whole idea that oh no you need to protect everyone else's health by sacrificing your own and mm -hmm. it's like well wait a minute that doesn't make sense to me the best way to to combat any illness is to have a good immune system and to have a healthy body and to keep your body weight down and keep yourself active. And that's what studies were showing. And nobody wanted to listen to any of that. It's like, oh, no, just put a mask on and hide away in your, your house for a year and let's see what happens. Well, naturally, what's going to happen, people's immune systems are going to shut down and get weakened. And people are going to not be as fit as they were and more susceptible to illness because they're not in the same shape. And it's just like, you, you look at it and go, why was this the right choice? Mm -hmm. And that just leads into other, other ideas. It's like, was this done uh, on purpose in a sense, or was this just the world's worst management of an illness that there could have been? Mm -hmm. And it's like, take your pick. Yeah, either way, it doesn't look good. And I kind of think it's a lot of both because yeah. now, now we've seen years later, 
um, as more and more data comes out, it's like it literally was all for nothing. Everything that they did, county by county, state by state, no matter what you do, no matter how you look at the numbers, everything they did objectively failed. All the measures and everything they told us was pretty much a lie. Asymptomatic spread, lockdowns, masks, you name the Fauciism, um, it, it was wrong, right? And we, you know, now what could be repaid to these people, right? There's so many restaurants, local venues that my band used to play at, gone forever, right? Like, how do these people get made whole? They don't. Right. And what we saw in the first year of the pandemic was the suicide rate that had gone up uh, tremendously. I think more people died of suicide than actually died of, of the COVID virus itself. Mm -hmm. People were desperate. I mean, they lost everything. I mean, you worked your whole life to build the successful business and you're told to shut it down to protect everyone's health. And it's like, but Walmart's still open. Amazon's still open why do I have to be closed? And that's where we start getting into some of the, the other things. It's like, none of these things made sense. It's like, you're either willfully this stupid or you're willfully trying to destroy something. Mm -hmm. And I see part of both. Yeah, it, it almost seems intentional. And especially when, at least here in Pennsylvania, I mean, it was just a consistent dangling the keys in front of people's face and taking it away um we weren't the worst state with lockdowns but i mean it was it was pretty bad and i, I tell this story pretty frequently but my fiance literally had a note saying that if you're caught outside driving show this note to the police so that way they know you're going to work like it, it's bizarre to think that this was our reality i actually had one of those notes as a mm -hmm. bus driver because we would, we had a curfew. So we would drive till that curfew, then bring the bus back to the garage mm -hmm. and then leave for the night. And they're like, oh yeah, if you get pulled over by the police, show them this note, show them your driver's badge and they'll let you go. And it's like, that's real comforting. <laughs> yeah. Like just to think that it, it's literally show me your papers. Like it, in... <laughs> If you would have told people we would have been doing this in December of 2019, people would have looked at you like you have six heads. And now, looking later into 2022, um, they keep trying to ramp up fear of COVID. Um, I, I really don't think it's going to fly. I just think people do not have the stomach for it anymore. Could be wrong. I don't think people do. But uh it, it would some people would accept it as normal some people would just say this is business as usual well that's exactly it and i think that's the problem is they haven't been able to stoke the fear of covid anymore so of mm -hmm. course they're stoking the fear of nuclear war and of course only they can protect us from nuclear war it's like oh no you're the ones creating it so how are you going to protect us from what you're creating so i mean let's be realistic it's you know the propaganda machine the alphabet news organizations the controlled narratives it's all trash and part of what i do is i i stay far away from that that crap i mean if i'm getting news i'm getting it from dave smith's part of the problem or clint russell's uh liberty lockdown um those are two of my personal favorite podcasts i use timcast.com because um, I really like what Tim Poole does. Uh, he may not always get it right. I may not always agree with him, but I believe he is truly an honest person and I don't think he's spinning a narrative. So, I mean, it, it's picking and choosing where you think you're getting the best information uh, as opposed to just relying on the old status quo CNN or, or Fox News. It's like they're just both controlled narrative for, for the opposition. It's pointless. Right, absolutely. And one thing that's so transparently horrible about the Biden administration is when they literally will not say, they'll straight up tell you, you will have to suffer until this proxy war in Ukraine is over. And when American people are dealing with what's likely double digit inflation, and everybody's mad about gas prices, and nobody can afford food, um, 
people tend to feel like you're slapping them in the face when a lot of the people that you're talking to couldn't find Ukraine on a map. And you're telling them that a country they couldn't find on the map is something that they're going to have to pay higher prices for. Like it, it's so transparently designed to crush people like you and me who go to work every day and earn a paycheck, you know, with our bare hands, right? I'm a mechanic for a living. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I drive truck. Yeah, dude, we're blue collar dudes, right? We're not loaded. We work our asses off for what we have. And when you have the president saying you will suffer as long as it takes for this war to end, how could how could anybody have faith left in the institution as a whole? You're, you're absolutely right. It's like one of the moments I talk a lot about is, is the let's go Brandon moment. I mean, that was your, your average normal guy who's sitting around drinking beer on a Sunday, listening to the NASCAR race on the TV. And then all of a sudden in real time can hear the F Joe Biden chants and the reporter going, Oh, here they're all cheering for you. Let's go. Brandon. Like that was the first time in real time, people could hear the media desperately trying to lie to them to cover up what was really going on. And I think that's why that moment was so pivotal. And I think a lot of people missed the context of why Let's Go Brandon was so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and <laughs> I think, I wanna say I did a video on it because this is when I was first starting the channel here. Um, it was so funny to me to hear, <laughs> do you really think the average dude who goes to a NASCAR race likes Joe Biden? Let's be honest here. These are boomer cons. These are dudes who are in their, you know, 40s to 60s who watch NASCAR on Sunday and drink beer and may have a certain affinity for their cousin, which I'm not judging, but I'm just saying <laughs> these people are not Democrats. They're not leftists, right? They don't, they don't like Joe Biden. So do you really think it was let's go Brandon or do you think it was fuck Joe Biden? I, I'm, you yeah. can make it up for yourself, but... It's pretty clear to me. Exactly. And then, of course, Biden on that, that Christmas special on C-SPAN or whatever, when somebody called in and said, let's go, Brandon. And, and Biden's like, I agree. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> like the best self-own ever. Yeah, well, I consider the source. The man's old scene. I, like, it, I almost feel bad. And, and I see so many right-leaning people, because it's majorly who I work for, who just cannot stand him. But like... I, I like, I almost feel bad because I think we all know it's not him running the show and like oh, yeah. people who just want to like crush him and destroy him. Like this dude's like a walking corpse. Like I, I'm like indifferent to him because I agree with everything they say, but at the same time, it's like, I, I can't gin up. They, like he doesn't get any emotion out of me other than the fact that like he's, he's in charge of, you know, the biggest criminal organization in the entire world. Well, that's exactly it. We went from a fearless leader to a forgetful leader. And mm -hmm. it's honestly looking at it, it's like it's elder abuse. All yeah. these people taking advantage of, of basically what's left of the Biden body mm -hmm. and name to, to run a country. And I mean, we're shocked that things are not going well, that Kamala Harris's approval rating is worse than Joe Biden's. And the fact that they're not even sure who they're going to potentially run um, in 24, it sounds like they're going to pull Hillary out of the out of the mothballs and put her back out front so they can screw Bernie a third time over. Yeah, I was going to say that that's worked every single time they did it, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, they're so transparent in how they manipulate the system. And it was so evident when it came down to Bernie. It's like, how how are you not seeing this and going, why am I still part of this party and why am I still voting for these people who are manipulating the outcome right in front of my face I mean that's insanity to me yeah absolutely um Jason we've been shooting the shit for a little bit here um this is really really fun chat and we would you know you're welcome on anytime um I got a few questions I asked my guests before we part ways um do you have any closing thoughts before we move on to the uh, final couple questions no go ahead Cool. What does liberty look like to you? Liberty to me is my ability to do what I want as far as how I see living my life. 
And I don't think anybody should be able to tell me how to live my life in the same way I don't believe I should be able to tell anybody else how to live their life as long as it doesn't affect me. Uh, when you start infringing on my personal property or someone else's personal property, that's when the conversation changes. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, that's really what I see liberty as is the ability to do and live the way you want to live. Awesome. What does health look like to you? What does health look like? Yeah. Uh, for me, health is not just physical, uh, but also mental and having a healthy mindset and a healthy body uh, personally leads to a healthier lifestyle overall. Uh, for me, Personally, I'm looking to get around 250 pounds at my absolute lowest. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm probably going to reevaluate at that point and maybe shoot a little bit lower because I am only 5'8". So, uh, but also, when it comes to health, there, there is the financial health aspect. And that's something that needs to be worked on as well. I don't think, of, think people really think of the financial end of, of their, their health as well. Uh, that is something to be conscious of. Yeah. You know, and that's that's something that I think a lot of people should take into consideration. And I think it's something that's kind of left behind. And unfortunately, the government does, does definitely doesn't help in that regards. But still, um, you know, you got to make the best of a bad situation. Um, once again, dude, this is a fantastic chat. Where can everybody find you? Where can everybody check you out? And what do you got cool that's coming up for you in the future? So right now, um, I'm on Twitter, uh, earbuds underscore music. Uh, or if you type in Accountability Nation, you'll find me. I'm also on TikTok um, under Accountability Nation and, and LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on there as well. Uh, you can find me under Accountability Nation. As far as for what's coming up, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of things out there. Uh, nothing real concrete. I mean, I'm working on the book deal. Um, working on on some merch stuff. Uh, I've worked. I'm working with my buddy who runs WebTech Solutions. Um, website design shout out mm -hmm. to my buddy Brad good dude um, he's going to be working on a website for me so that way I can encompass everything into one spot so I'll have accountability nation worldwide as um, as my home destination for everything so that way I can um, bring all the socials together and and have a functioning website cool all right, Jason, like I said, fantastic chat, and you have a home here anytime you need it. Um, if you don't have any more closing thoughts, we'll close her out and uh, say, uh, say our goodbyes on the other side. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Cool. Thanks, dude. All right, everybody, this is Liberty and Health. Take care, everyone. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.